Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 19 years and have seen just about everything. And as messed up as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. All right, guys, we have had an amazing week, and uh, we're preparing for this big event. It's called Thrive Conference. And in preparing for Thrive Conference, we have a number of guests that are going to be speaking at Thrive Conference. So let me tell you about the conference, then we're going to tell you about our guest. So Thrive Conference is focused on Generation Z, and it's going to be a digital ministry conference on February 27th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And you can go and search ThriveCon 2020, and you'll be able to experience it. It's free for you. It's free for your volunteers, and it will empower you with this year's theme, Serving Generation Z. So Gen Z is that young generation that we are seeking to reach, whether it's elementary, middle school, high school, and even some young college. So we might actually be ministering with, right? Some of our volunteers might be Gen Z. And so today we are blessed to have a guest, Crystal Marchand, and she is going to be given a a session on partnering with the parents of Generation Z. And uh, we wanted to dive in and welcome you and kind of dive into that topic. And so tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, um, thanks for having me, you guys. This is super exciting for me. I'm the Thrive Captain um, at Project YM. So I create the content and I run the um, uh, Thrive membership community that we have. And um, my background is actually in education. And so I, before I came on to do Project YM, I spent 12 years teaching and I've taught newborns through fifth grade, um, focusing mostly as a music teacher. And so that's really cool because it's given me an opportunity to see so many kids of all ages Um, I'm totally a nerd about child development, like I geek out over it and research everything and always try to find, you know, the latest, um, you know, what the latest research says about how children learn and how they develop and why they act the way they do. And so it's like that stuff is is super fun for me. And um, my passion has changed over the last um, two years, I think, to really realizing that good education and good ministry um, comes from everybody who's involved with a child partnering together, being allies together. So it's parents and teachers and youth ministers and young adult ministers and all that stuff. So that's that's my current passion as of these days <laughs> and raising my children. I have four. So awesome. uh, kind of that, that, that quote that it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. To raise a child, it takes a village. That, that resonates with you extensively. It, Totally does. Totally does. And, you know, I really believe that you need people to call on and your child needs to see healthy relationships all around, not just it's, you know, family of origin or nuclear family. It needs to have healthy, loving role models through all areas of their lives. Absolutely. The, uh, there was one thing that I was thinking as you were talking, and, and like those of us in ministry, sometimes we actually see the, the parents as adversaries, mm-hmm. like they're getting in the way of me teaching them. And then sometimes right. the parents even see us as, you know, oh, they're going to take care of the religion stuff. Um, I'll just get them there. Right. You know, right. and that's, that's what we're talking, or so we're speaking against today, Right. Yes. um, So there are, you know, I talk about that there are five different ways that we view parents. And the first one is definitely adversary. And I think some of that is, um, some of that comes from, we always tell parents, you know, oh, well, the parent is the child's first catechist. The parent is the person who's responsible for their faith formation and evangelizing. And like that 
puts so much pressure on parents and that makes them feel so bad. Like, you know, even, even myself, like, you know, I've been in ministry for a while and my kids are growing up around it, but I'm still sitting here going, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it well enough. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yep. you know? Amen. Preach. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's this, that type of conversation is a dialogue of inadequacy. Right. right. So we say it to them and it's almost like we're leveraging Catholic guilt to be able to say, okay, so now you know how you view us as the gatekeeper. Well, it's yeah. completely justified because you can't, you don't know how to do anything and at least drop them off every week. Like at least you could do that. Right. Yeah. So you used a phrase um, as we were, as we were kind of conversing, a partner with parents and then ally. And mm-hmm. I want to, I want you to tease out like wh- which, What's the difference between partnering with parents and becoming an ally for parents and how do we move forward into that? Okay, so partnering with parents is, um, it's still very personal and internal. Um, You want to help parents do their job because it's going to help you do your job. You know, it's um, it's kind of like you give and I give and or you give and I get and I'll give and you get, but there's no real desire for success and happiness for the family just because you want them to be successful. Um, it's still kind of a kind of selfish. Um, so when you're creating allies, you want the good for the parent. You want the good for the family. I'm hearing almost like a consumerism in the partner with parents, at least elements of it, of where yeah. there's an exchange. So mm-hmm. I am going to help prepare your child for the sacrament and you in return are going to jump through the hoops to allow, to help me help you prepare this child for the sacrament. Yes. Whereas yes. An, an ally has, it has to have a sense of accompaniment, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's more, it images more what Christ did with his, uh, with his apostles. Right. And it's, it's, that all focuses around building relationships. We talk a lot, the buzz phrase right now is relational ministry, relational ministry. And that extends to the parents and the families too. We need to build relationships with them, get to know who they are as people and, um, you know, help them develop, help them develop too as people. And I can imagine that the DREs out there listening, the youth ministers listening, just hear this as overwhelming. There's no way I'm going to be able to develop relationships with all of these parents, with all of these families. And they're not right. supposed to. I, I can't even get them to turn in their baptismal paperwork. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know? Yeah. Right. The youth minister cannot develop individual relationships with everybody. And so you really focus on pouring into your volunteers so that they can build relationships with the parents too. So to me, it's not so much like, oh, I have to have a relationship with the youth minister. I just need to have a relationship with somebody who's involved in the ministry that makes me feel welcome and loved and validated and valued as a person. And so if the youth minister can only has the bandwidth to have a personal relationship with five parents, 10 parents, awesome. But I think that they really need to make sure they know the names of at least one parent for every family of, that comes into their ministry. And then they can equip their volunteers to develop you know, personal relationships, especially if you have small group leaders. Your small group leaders should not just minister to your small group. Your small group leaders should know things about every single family that is part of your small group. Absolutely. And that happens even in the, in the classroom model for mm-hmm. religious education or uh, parish school or religion. Right. You've got the same kind of thing. You've, typically, you have two you know, volunteers in that classroom. And I don't really know like what the ratio is typically in a classroom, but I can't imagine it'd be more than 10 or 15 kids mm-hmm. in that classroom. Maybe it is. Maybe y'all's ratios are a little uh, higher. But 
if it's two to 15, I mean, each teacher it's in that classroom can reach out to seven people, like seven right. families. It, it should be scalable. Just right. to push back, the answer is yes, they, they could, um, but will they? Like I have been struggling with this in ministry for years saying, hey, small group leaders, reach out beyond Sunday. What do you do beyond Sunday? And, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of my leaders are like, well, I do everything else that I need to do so that I can dedicate these two to three hours every Sunday to the youth. Um, but beyond Sunday is, is, is difficult. That's a big ask. And sometimes it's a discouraging ask. So reaching out voicemail after voicemail, unresponded text message uh, upon, you know, uh, upon itself, it gets discouraging. So yeah. like Crystal, what, what do you recommend in regards to um, making that connection? Well, um, it, it's going to take time. So my, my first thing is don't be discouraged because anything that's going to change is slow. You know, so you just, you got to keep doing it yourself. You know, like if you are sending out text messages and it needs to be more than just informational communication needs to be more than just informational. And so take making it a priority to, to send emails or texts or just drop a voicemail that says, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm caring about you that, you know, that's going to start the change. I think a lot of, a lot of the communication goes unnoticed or unresponded to because I feel like for the most part, people are communicating at parents. I'm just going to give you information. Right. And so I, I get text messages all the time from our church about faith formation and stuff like that. And I never respond to anything because like, okay, I know that we've got, you know, the kids have mass at the beginning of faith formation this week, right? But if our, you know, if our um, DRE were to text me and say, hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? That is something that I would respond to. So it's more than just being talked at. It's starting conversation and being personal and saying, hey, I care about you. This goes back to that whole thing of, um, you know, people don't care what you have to say until they know that you care, right? Right. Right. And so like, I, I even see like what you're saying, instead of, uh, you could say, Hey, I, I'm picking a different family every week to pray for, right. That's in my small group. And so you reach out to that family and you say, Hey, I'm praying for your family this week. Your child is a part of my small group. Do you have anything, any specific prayer intentions that you would like me to, to offer up to pray for? That'd be a, a great way, you know, I think to, to start that dialogue in a non-confrontational kind of super easy. And then eventually you can build up to maybe a little bit more of a relationship with them. Right. When Taylor co-hosted a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that a lot of times when we communicate, it's either FYIs or information mm-hmm. or it's bad news. Hey, your child is missing this form or your child's behavior needs redirected in this area. Right. And, and he encouraged reach out to tell, give compliments. Like parents will respond when they hear good news from the, their their leaders. You know, uh, your child was amazing in small group the other day, and we don't share what they said, but the way that they shared led others in our group to share, and I'm so grateful to be journeying with your child. You know, things of that nature, um, they make an impact to where, yeah, I want to I want to connect with that person. And, and I've had that happen where they send a text, thanks so much. It's so good to hear this because we've really been working on this area or that area. It's neat to see them bloom. How else can we help you be successful when you're journeying with my child? And it's amazing to see the power of positivity, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've sent out emails that, you know, have just said, hey, I just want to let you know that I've your kid is in my small group now and I'm so excited. They're just like, we just really connect. And um, I just want to let you know that and let you know that if you need anything from me, you know, please reach out. Here's my number or whatever, you know, just like I'm accessible to you too, not just your child. So communication is part of the how of becoming a parent ally. Are there any other kind of 
pieces with communication or any other pieces to become that ally? There needs to be a lot of prayer, you know, prayer of lifting up your insecurities, prayer to lift up, you know, your, uh, your fear, because, you know, these parents are coming in afraid that you're going to judge them because they're not parenting right, or afraid that you are going to judge them because their child doesn't know, you know, a bunch of scripture verses or something like that. And I know, you know, from the educator or small group leader point of view that there's also the fear that, um, you just think all I do is eat pizza and play dodgeball, you know, like you don't think my job is a real job or what I do matters. It's just a place for your kid to go, you know, yeah. and so, like this, there needs to be a lot of prayer lifting that up because once you get past the fear and insecurity, then you're more willing to build a relationship. So let me give you a scenario and tell me how you would recommend navigating it. Okay. So let's say it's eighth grade, Right. And uh, this person is in your small group and you're doing, or in your classroom, whichever model you, you embrace, and you're doing closing prayer and it's the, the Hail Mary and they don't know the Hail Mary. They clearly don't know the Hail Mary. And you're like, I got to reach out to these parents to have them work with their child on the Hail Mary at home so that they can learn this base, arguably very basic prayer. Mm-hmm. How would you go about doing it to where you don't come across being like, Everyone else in the classroom knows the Hail Mary. Your child seems behind. Could you please work with your child on this Hail Mary? Mm, that's. Or that's, uh, maybe maybe a deeper question is, would you? See, I I don't think personally I would I would approach it that way. I don't think I would approach the parent and be like, hey, they don't know the Hail Mary. You know, I think what I what I would do is find some. Um, something that connects with that child. Maybe it's a printout of the prayer or something cool, tangible that I can give to that child with the prayer on it and just say like, hey, why don't you take this home? You know, I've seen that kids are really, get really excited when their teacher gives them something or when their small group leader gives them something. Maybe if I did a newsletter, um, like if I, if I do a weekly newsletter or something like that, I would just be like, hey, these are the things that we're working on, you know, and do just a blanket just take some minutes and work on the Hail Mary. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't single that family out. I would do a general, everybody work on this prayer kind of thing. Is there a, is there a scenario like that where you would feel like you needed to reach out to the parents? And, and then if there is, like, how would, you, how would you do that? In terms of teaching them something or just like in... Sure. I'm always very careful in how I approach things to not make the parent feel like, they're dumb. So whatever, whatever I needed, I guess what really it goes back to whatever I needed them to know, I would send out in a general email or send it home as a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wouldn't, I, I, my face to face conversation conversations, I really try to make sure that they're positive and, Um, I always use things like my observations are, or, you know, like this seems to be a stretch. I I worked at a school where the language was very positive and we didn't use the word struggles. We used the word stretches and strengths. And so even now when I talk to parents, I'm like, you know, this area seems to be a little bit of a stretch for them. Um, What can I do to help? And that's always, that's always how I come across it. And so if I needed to talk to the parent about learning something like a prayer, I probably would say something like this area, this prayer, or this area of memorization seems to be a little bit of a stretch. What are some tools and tips that you use at home that I could use at, you know, church or an RE or whatever to help your child better with that? That's and then, great. Yeah, they, they're very receptive to that. I love it. And I'm just imagining my brother in band camp when he was in eighth grade. 
um, during the mealtime at camp, got frustrated with the person sitting next to him and took the fork that he was eating with and stabbed it into her leg. And so I'm just imagining you. I know, oh Matt. And I'm just imagining, well, my observations are that your son uh, misuses forks in people's legs at times. And it comes across, like even saying it, it's humorous. It's a, a funny example, but it comes across completely non judgmental. Like, yeah. The response, you know, we got, but he never got caught. But I imagine the camp counselor would be like, my observations are your child is a monster. What is going on? You know, but it does sound so, A, non-confrontational and B, non-judgmental. Um, it really does foster that ongoing um, relationship. And ideally, and you mentioned this too, before the, uh, the, 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 the school year, the formation year even begins, you've already made a connection. So you already have a relationship uh, mm -hmm. s started so that you can speak those things to where if there is a struggle or a stretch, you're able to, uh, you're able to do that in a way that's like, oh yeah, I already know that, that this person's on my team, that we're, we're right. already partnered or allied. Is there, yeah. is there a scenario where, I mean, I can, I can see, you know, small groups that I've worked in and the, one of the first things that I try to work with them on is, is daily prayer, you know, mm -hmm. spending time in prayer on their own. And is there ever a situation where you think you would reach out to the parents? Like if you had, you know, one out of the eight people in your small group who never uh, committed to daily prayer, you know, and they, like, I don't know if they would even share excuses or anything like that. Would that be something that you would work with them individually on? Or is that something where you would try to ally with the parents to help them in daily prayer? And is there a way you could do it that, you know, one, it wouldn't out the kid, you know, and embarrass the parents that mm -hmm. their kid isn't doing, you know, prayer, um, you know, keep it personal to the kid, but then also might also, you know, create an opportunity to pour into the parents' prayer life? You know, is there a way to do that? Um, there is. Like, I definitely would work with the kid individually. And then I would just, I would be, I would just have a very positive, gentle conversation with the parents. Like, you know, like, hey, um, for our small group challenge, you know, or our small group focus right now is really on cultivating a, a life of personal prayer. And so I'm asking that the kids take, um, you know, my, my students take, 10 minutes every day. And so I wanted to let you know that so that you could help them find a time during their day to remind them, hey, let's pray. Or maybe, you know, if you guys wanted to pray together, um, that would be really cool too. I can send home some prayers. I can give you some resources, some ideas for, for prayer. But that's, that's, I just wanted to let you know, that's our focus of our small group right now. What would you recommend in regards to frequency? In, in a given semester, how often should we be making contact as, as, as volunteers, as ministry leaders, as uh, youth ministers with the parents? Ideally, I would say once a week. Um, realistically, if, you know, especially if you have a whole, if you have a lot of kids, um, you know, and you don't have a small group program, then try to do a couple families, like generally a, a weekly informational email. Okay. And then um, take the time to you know, say on Tuesdays, that's the day that I'm going to send out my text messages or my personal emails to all the parents. Maybe once a month, try to schedule some one-on-one, -on -one, you know, hey, you want to meet me for coffee kind of times. So, you know, I mean, like, think about the amount of people that you text during a day or a week or something like that, you know, and if you add the 10 people, 10 parents to your text during the day or during the week, then should be doable. <laughs> I, I tell my my volunteers, I'm like, all I'm asking is for one bowel movement a week. That's <laughs> a, 
<laughs> you're sitting down for three, four minutes. That's all it takes. You know, right. that's all it takes. And uh, it's a humorous way to kind of talk about how it's accessible. Um, uh, humorous and kind of gross. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, like, that why it's funny. It to you? you know, like. Chris laughs at poop, everybody. Chris no, laughs everybody at poop. poops. It's something that's like a common thing. Like, I hope everybody poops. Otherwise, see a doctor immediately. That's a good book. Have you read that book? It's yes, I have. Yep. Yep. So I, I love it because as a, as a ministry leader who's like on parish staff or is the one that's main person in charge, in other words, if something goes wrong, who will Father yell at? If you're right. that person, then you can send out that general information on a weekly basis. Right. Hey parents, this week we discussed heaven, hell, and purgatory. Uh, here's three follow-up questions over the breakfast table sometime this Monday or Tuesday. Thanks. Right. Thanks so much. Blah, blah, blah. Retreat info, all that other stuff. Right. But then the actual small group leaders or the catechists, the classroom catechists are charged with, okay, try and make a weekly connection mm-hmm. with those parents. And it kind of cascades down into a more personal level. Right. And I love the idea to try and get coffee or have a meal or even host a meal at your home, like invite their families into your families. And that's a really neat way to, to accompany, you know, um, to consider every semester having a personal offsite, um, connection with the the people in your small group. And hopefully like once or twice a month doing that is a great way to make that a reality. Right. And, you know, like I've seen, I I get a lot of questions from youth ministers about, well, what do you guys do for parent programs? How do I create parent programs? And that's, we're looking at it the wrong way, you know, like, and I, I think the same way about youth ministry, we shouldn't be focusing on creating youth programs. It's how do we build relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to, we need to break that cycle of thinking program, 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 and think outside the box. And so if you need to have a parent meeting, why don't you talk to some of your teens and be like, what would be some cool things we could do for a parent get together and end up having like a family potluck in the park where, you know, maybe you start with business for 10 minutes or end with business for 10 minutes, but then the rest of the time you're just hanging out and fellowshipping and and playing in the park together. You know, like it doesn't have to be, you know, come to church, sit down, let me, teach you or talk at you. And then we go on our merry way and say, yay, I did it. It's interesting that you say that because I think sometimes um, my parent meetings, it takes me 10 minutes to warm them up before I deliver the heavy. Right. Right. And so now here are the requirements. And it's like, you know, we're all in a faith together. We journey together and you try and soften it before you have to deliver. Like, and here's the bad news. But I think they're all expecting, like, I understand that there's some requirements for the sacrament or that there's pieces that you, you desire us to know. And if that relationship is already established, like, hey, we're on the same team, Mm -hmm. then delivering that news is more like a huddle. I mean, literally what you just described is a 10 minute huddle. And then the rest of the time we keep sharing life together. And uh, and that's way more beautiful than I'm going to spend the first half earning the right to be heard and making sure we have enough cookies and punch so that you guys aren't mad. And then we're going to keep the meeting under an hour so I don't take up any more of your time. It's like. What if we actually wanted to spend time with each other? What would that right. look like if it was like, hey, it's so good to see you again and we're sharing life? I mean, it would, anyways. I, 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 I really think, like that idea for the parent meeting. I mean, I'm, I'm already running with that. I, I think it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but I feel yeah. like it's, it's a little bit of a dream. So like, what yeah. would you recommend yeah. on getting there? Like, what do we do to get there? I just, just, just ask people, you know, that's it is, is talk to people. I, w- I was in a PTA meeting and I was coming up with like, okay, you know, these are my ideas for when we can have meetings. And one of the parents there was like, well, does it have to be here every time? What do you guys want to do? And within like 15 minutes, 
we all took a, we all decided to do a park meeting, you know? And like, I mean, that's, that's all it was because somebody asked the question, like, do we have to do this? You know, where do you guys want to meet for our, you know, where do you think your parents would like to meet for a parent meeting? And if they're like, Hey, we all want to, yeah, I all want to go to this bar, then be like, awesome. We're going to go get a drink, happy hour. I'll tell you some things and then we'll hang out, you know, like first rounds on me or whatever, you know? Yeah. What are some barriers with all of this? There's things that we probably need to think I need to move this out of the way before we can have this conversation. What are some barriers to uh, being an ally with parents on the parent side or the minister side? Well, I mean, the first is you got to figure out how you come across to parents. Like, how do parents view you? Do they view you as the adversary or, you know, kind of neutral or resource? Or do they view you as somebody who's really, um, you know, on their side and an ally for them? And once you figure that out, you know, you need to figure out, okay, well, why do people see me that way? What am I doing that makes, that gives people this impression of me, right? And then, um, and then, practice your communication. This sounds really silly, like, well, everybody knows how to communicate, but they really don't. Like when I first started teaching and talking to parents, like I was, I was all over the place. I had no idea what was going on. It was all disjointed and stuff like that, you know, but now I can, I can walk in and command a room and, and it's all going and everything's fantastic, you know? And so you have to practice communication, even practice walking up and being like, Hi, it's so nice to see you. If that's not something like I'm an introvert who has learned how to be extroverted and it is like anxiety and causes me like I get flaclamped, okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> when I'm like, I got to hang out with the parents, right? And so I have to practice like, hi, my name is Crystal. I, you know, what's your name? It's really nice to see you. Or like I had a conversation with a parent last night and I was like, it's, it's Bob, right? You know, and and he, he laughed and he was like, oh, yeah, okay, good. I didn't remember your name. And so I have discovered that being transparent to a degree about what my stretches are is that makes me more human to the parents. You know, yes. I've told parents before, like, I'm super bad at small talk. And so I'm sorry. Like, I once looked at somebody and I was like, they were telling me this amazing story and I was so caught up in it. And they, they were at the end and I looked at them. And it was like 10 seconds of dead air. And I go, <laughs> I was, I'm bad at small talk. I have no idea what to say, but your story was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so being, you know, being a person to them is, is like huge at starting to break those barriers down. And then you just got to be okay that some people aren't going to like you and you can still be polite and respectful and friendly to them. But like, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to bring people to Jesus and not everybody's going to like you. And that is okay. Not everybody like Jesus either. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and there's no such thing as a perfect batting average. Right. So on the flip side, as ministry leaders, whether it's volunteers or uh, full time or whatever, the, the, the whoever drew the short straw sometimes is how it works <laughs> at, at some parishes. I think one of the ways that we can move forward in this is by trusting our pastor. I mm -hmm. think sometimes we worry that if I don't come across perfectly or extremely charming or whatever it is, that they're going to go over my head because there's some parents that have a better relationship with the pastor than you do. Right. And that's intimidating at times. But the pastor has put you in charge. You're an extension of the pastor. And so because of that, he wants to choose the right people and support the right people. So to mm -hmm. have that trust relationship to where if someone said, you know, Chris at the parent meeting did, did this that the pastor would say, I know, isn't that wonderful? You know, right. like that he would understand the mission and the intention and, and all that behind it. I think sometimes 
bringing pastors into the conversation. There's also a fear that sometimes you're like that creepy guy that keeps knocking on the door saying, uh, we need your baptismal certificate. We need your baptismal certificate. Right. And and they're like, oh, that's going to be so annoying. Um, but I think sometimes we need to see ourselves as frontline advocates for the for the youth or the children that we're serving as well. Right. And sometimes that means advocating to parents for their own children. Right. I mean, I think if you have that relationship with somebody, like think about, you know, people that you are friends with or that you're close with, you have no problem. You're comfortable with them and you trust each other enough that you have no problem being like, hey, I need this from you. Can you do this for me? Or dude, you know, like you think your best friend and their kids, hey, dude, your kid just like punched my kid in the face. You have no problem saying stuff like that because you have that trust and that relationship established because you know that like I can tell you your kid punched my kid in the face and I'm kind of upset by it but you know I don't hate your kid you know that I don't hate you it just I need to let you know that your kid punched my kid in the face come on bro you know yeah yeah great so uh, we're going to be able to, you're going to be able to hear a lot more about this at the Thrive Conference, which again is taking place on February 22nd, a free digital conference, uh, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. We, yeah, go I, ahead, Matt. I, I wanted to call you out on this at the beginning. Thrive Conference doesn't sound near as cool as ThriveCon. It's ThriveCon, yeah. It's totally ThriveCon. <laughs> and you um, just said February 22nd, it's the 27th. Don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? How about this, Matt? Matt, uh, when's the ThriveCon? Why don't we have the ThriveCon, like the person who's running it, like say a little bit about it. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, ThriveCon is so super fun. It's, it's our, you know, it's our free online youth ministry uh, conference for, uh, for free. Uh, you get to hear some of the greatest minds in youth ministry today tell you all about how to best serve this generation of young people. It's Thursday, February 27th at 1 p.m. We start pre-con party at noon. Um, this is all Eastern time. And sign up for free and go to ThriveCon. I don't know. What was the website? I don't know things. <laughs> hey she's as good as you are chris yeah there we go thanks be careful matt's gonna dig on you careful yeah. oh you should you should hear me we do our weekly um professional development every week and every single week for the last year michael has used the exact same sign off i still don't know it i still sit there i'm like youth ministry you're you're important you're your work matters and he looks at me every time and says dude i will get it someday I'm horrible at this stuff. That's funny. It, it's thrivecon.com. There we go. Thrivecon.com. Yeah. Leave it to Michael to make sure and get the .com. Um, <laughs> if, those of you listening, if you've never done any uh, generational study at all about how different the generations are, you need to do that. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous how different they are. Um, and all of us are working with multiple generations. Um, I'm, I'm 40 ish, I'm 41, I'm not 40 ish. I'm 41 years old. And I work with it just in, in ablaze ministries. I work with two different generations and then looking at the youth, that's a third, right? And so it's, I, I have to like, at least moderately understand the differences between generations. So it, it would, it would definitely behoove you to be a part of this. Even if you're not a youth minister, I think it would be, be good. I just Absolutely. use behoove on this podcast. <laughs> yes. So just Crystal don't use, laughed. Just don't use conference <laughs> on this podcast, okay? Just to be clear. Good. Um, Crystal, how do people find you, get in touch with you? Oh, gosh. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, you can you can always email me at crystal at projectlime.com. I don't know. I'm on Facebook, I guess, my name. You know, like my Instagram is musicalmama4, so you can look me up there. Nice. Uh, yeah, I like people. I like to... Talk to people. 
Yeah. Just not too much. Just, just not too much. So see, the thing is like, I <laughs> hate small talk and I'm really bad at it. Like I want to be best friends with you and like share the nitty gritty. I always overshare, you know, like <laughs> I want to get in there with you. I will tell you about how I ate poop when I was three years old and I am okay with that. Yeah, I'm oh, I oversharing, <laughs> oversharing is my love language. It's amazing. Yay! Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Good. Well, we are grateful. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, thank you guys, listeners, for joining us. Let's continue the conversation online. Please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with everybody. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to seek a deeper partnership with at least one family. Amen. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.